Good morning and happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. We wanted to begin our service today to all of our Facebook friends and our guests and to all of our saints of Spirit of Grace Church that are joining us through Facebook and through Zoom this morning. We wanted to wish you a great happy Easter from our family. And by popular request, we've added Declan to the scene today. <laughs> there are several people that wanted to see his smiling face. He's been in the background the whole time, but he's been with us each service. And uh, we just wanted to say good morning and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church online. <laughs> and uh, I know that things are uh, different with Easter being online this year and doing things different all around the world. People are having to, to try to uh, do it this way. And uh, while it's not the same, I do sense the presence of yes, God amen. across the airwaves into every home. And uh, we trust and pray that you would sense his presence today. Jesus. We're going to uh, open in prayer this morning, and then I'm going to step away, and Owen and Trish are going to lead us in some worship. We want to encourage you just to uh, mentally place yourself in the sanctuary. And as we begin to sing and pray and worship, just do so right there in your living room with us. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing among the church, uh, universal, as well as our local Amen. church. And I believe that there's going to be a lot of testimonies once we get on the other side of uh, this isolation, if you will. So let's just open this Easter service with prayer and just invite the Lord into your homes and to wherever you may be watching, if it's an office or a living room or a bedroom, that God would just allow the presence of the Lord to manifest itself in your home today. Jesus, we love you thank and we you, praise Jesus. you. We, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy and this opportunity you, that we have. Lord, you are great in this place. You are awesome in this place. And we'll be careful to give you praise and glory. Go into every home now as we bind together. Lord, in mind and spirit, you said that there would be two or three would gather. Well, we've gathered online, God. We may not be here physically, but we are together. And because we are together, you have promised in your word that you would you, allow us to sense your presence. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ready to worship? Praise God. You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. Yes. I see the old has passed away. The new has come. Now I Resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. I'm dressed in Your Holy Spirit lives in me. 
and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh. who can stop the lord stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh,
Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We bless your precious name, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing.
God isn't uh, isn't the Lord good and uh, powerful and we are so glad that you're with us today and I sense his presence so very strongly before we move forward would you just reach out in your own personal way and just worship him for just a moment Jesus I love you I praise you I thank you God you are the king of kings and the lord of lords you are high and lifted up and your train fills the temple you are mighty and awesome in this house, O oh God, I pray. Lord, I love you. I adore you. I exalt you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. And when we're together in the presence of the Lord, to see and hear everything that is happening around the world, uh, there's more church happening now than when we are in our buildings. There are people all over America and around the world that are hearing the word of God, some for the very first time, some that have come alongside and have followed the invitation and they're online. And we just want to encourage you. It doesn't matter where you are. God can meet you in a mighty way, in a very personal way, wherever you're at. One of my best friends growing up, his dad received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost driving down the street. And the Lord kept the car on the road, too. And so we're very thankful that God can meet us wherever we're at. So thankful for Easter and the power and the presence that uh, the, the risen Savior uh, gives to our life. And I'm so thankful for Spirit of Grace Church family and everything that you are and that you do. Uh, I'm so thankful to be a part of something that's much bigger than ourselves and for all of you on Facebook and even some guests here on Zoom today, 
all of our guests that are here from around the, the area or around the um, world as you're watching this or replaying it back later. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we don't uh, discount your presence with us. We honor you today because uh, there's all different places that you could be online today watching all different kinds of churches and different things, and you're spending some time with us, and we honor you for that today. I want to read, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to thank publicly uh, on Zoom at 9.30 this morning, uh, our Catalyst teacher, which is our 10th graders through 25 or 26, or whenever they want to kick them out, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> Paul Wisebrod taught a great lesson for about a half an hour today on Zoom, did a great job, and then he turned to 1 Corinthians 15, and I said, uh-oh, he's uh, using my scriptures <laughs> again. And uh, so that just lets me know that God's got us lined up. I want to focus in on 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to go to where Paul was at towards the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless of course you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Let's me know that we can all see him today. May not be the same time, but this is a time where all of us can see him and a glimpse of him after the uh, empty tomb. For I'm the least of all apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message that you have already believed. And then I want to just turn over to two other, uh, one other passage here in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to start at verse number 51. It says this, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. I love secrets. I don't keep them very well, but I like them. And... Uh, but Paul is here revealing a very wonderful secret. He says this, We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. There is a power in the transforming hand of God. And uh, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And uh, I want to speak for just a few minutes to you all today on the fulcrum of eternity. If you don't know what a fulcrum is, uh, I, I sent out a devotion a couple of days ago talking about a teeter-totter. And uh, when I was growing up, my dad and mom bought us. This was back in the 70s, so safety was not an issue. It was never thought of. And they bought us this metal hollow-tubed swing set that when you swung, the, the it, as you began to go, the legs of the swing set would come up two feet in the air and then bounce back on the dirt, and then it would come up on the other side. And, well, attached to that swing set was a teeter-totter. And uh, we would get somebody on either side of it, and our goal was not to teeter-totter, but to see who we could catapult the furthest. And, uh, and, and so because I was usually the bigger one, I catapulted the least and sent Jeremy and others uh, to the skies. And, uh, but in that teeter-totter, one of the things that you could do if you didn't have two people is if you started walking on that teeter-totter on one side, it would stay on the ground until you got to the middle, which is the fulcrum. It's the turning point. It's the thing that then starts from you're walking up the board, but you hit that fulcrum, and the only way you can go is down the, the other side of the board. That fulcrum is it. And what I want to, I'm going to use a term today, and I'm basically meaning the whole weekend of Passover when I say Calvary. Uh, when I say Calvary today, I'm, I'm incorporating the cross, that we celebrated on Friday, the death. I'm celebrating what is known as the Saturday silence, where nothing is going on between the, the death and the resurrection of the Lord. And I'm incorporating as well Easter Sunday, where Jesus rises again and we celebrate the empty tomb. I, I'm just gonna call all that weekend Calvary. So BC, before Calvary, and AC, after Calvary. Calvary, that weekend, those three days, is the fulcrum of all eternity. Everything that we have today hinged on that moment in time. In fact, the Bible says that that is the moment that the transformation of mankind began to happen. Now, I'm thankful for the Old Testament. I'm thankful for the Gospels. But I'm really thankful that there has been a transforming power that has happened because of Calvary, because of the death, burial, and resurrection, or what Paul addressed in the passage that we read as the good news. The good news is simply that he died for us, was buried, but didn't stay buried, and rose again. And not only that, but we're able to see him. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I can't say that I have physically, naturally seen Jesus in my lifetime, but there's coming a day when I will look at him face to face and I will enjoy that time with you around the throne as we are dwelling in his presence. But I wanted to uh, uh, talk to you a little bit today, the difference between each side of the fulcrum, if you will, each side of the thing that happened. What did God really do at Calvary, what really took place when Jesus walked out of the tomb and resurrected? What really was what was was happening there? Because there was a major, major shift in this thing that we call time. 
from the time that God said, let there be and there was until the day that the trumpet sounds and heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word won't pass away and will go into a new earth and a heavenly Jerusalem. Until that day, what there was a major, major shift that took place and God flipped everything upside down. Uh, if you're a member of our church, you've heard me say it several times, but I believe that we do everything backwards in the natural from what God intended. The way God works is totally opposite of the way we think and operate. And so there, a transition took place. And, and an example of, of just for that is, uh, I, I, you know, we say we earn our wages and the the company we work for pays us at the end of 40 hours or whatever hours we work that week and we get paid because we earned that money. Well, God doesn't operate that way. He gives it and releases you to use it. And, and it's it's backwards from the way we think. Um, we think the older we get, the wiser we get. But Jesus said, unless you become like unto one of the children, you're never going to see the kingdom of heaven. So we do everything backwards. And, and so uh, there was a major shift that took place at Calvary and uh, I want to sh share four different aspects that we need to look at today that should change the perspective or, or register something in us about what Easter really celebrates. The first component that I want to mention to you today is the cross itself. Before Calvary, the cross was an instrument of horrific death. Nobody would wish that on their worst enemy. Uh, crucifixion, the, the cross itself was, um, it was made of rough wood. And if you got real close to, to a cross in that day, you would see that it was a rough piece of wood that was blood soaked with human blood that as they would crucify them, it would bleed and stain and they would use the cross over and over again. And the slivers weren't, I mean, it wasn't sanded down and polished and stained. It was just a rough piece of wood. So as you were hanging on a cross, you were getting slivers all over your body. It was horrific. It was something that was not to be uh, held lightly. It was not. But now something happens after Jesus hangs on a cross. Now on the other side of Calvary, on the after Calvary side, the cross has become a thing of beauty. The cross has become a symbol of hope. The cross has become not death, but life. The cross has given us, you and I, an opportunity to find life everlasting. On this side of the fulcrum of the Calvary weekend, we don't look at the cross in a negative fashion anymore, but because of the cross, we have life today. Because of the cross, you and I have the opportunity to dwell in the presence of Almighty God. We wouldn't have that opportunity if it wasn't for the cross. Before Calvary, nobody wanted anything to do with the cross. After Calvary, oh, I cherish the old rugged cross. You see, I also believe that the cross was in a place where tradition will tell you where it was and and they can kind of guess where it is, but at the same time, nobody really knows. And the reason why I believe this is me, I don't, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I believe that the Lord has not put a specific place of Calvary because Calvary is wherever you are. 
If you're kneeling down at your couch in your living room, that's where Calvary is. If you're driving down the, car, down the street in a car, that's where your Calvary can be. Jesus has Calvary right there ready for you wherever you may be. It's not a design-specific place anymore. It's a spiritual dimension that you and I can step into. We step into the cross through death. We step out of the cross through hope and life. The second component that I want to uh, tell you about today is the actual tomb. And uh, I, I sent out with the devotion this morning uh, a statement that I heard a long time ago that said the, the stone that was in front of the tomb was just a pebble to the rock of ages inside. And uh, that, that, that stone that was rolled away was nothing to the power of God. But I want you to think about a tomb today. I want you to think about a grave site, if you will. And, and I so like the, the, the song that uh, Trisha and Owen sang today, uh, From Graves to Gardens. But think about the grave, if you will. And, and the grave in the natural realm before Calvary, the grave was the final destination. It was the final chapter of life. It was the, uh, it, it was the closing of the great door, if you will. It was the end of what you would know as life itself. That was before Calvary. But when the angels rolled the stone away and Jesus stepped out of the tomb, the tomb changes its entire uh, perception, if you will. The tomb now is not the end of life, but the tomb is now the beginning of life. It is now the threshold of a new door to step into, a new destiny to operate in. It's a new opportunity. When you come to the tomb of Christ, you find it empty because God in his divine wisdom created a tomb that caused life to come from it. Uh, I liken it a lot to a cocoon of a butterfly. You would think that when that caterpillar would crawl in and begin to make his cocoon, that that would be the end. That's the tomb. But in the midst of that uh, being in that cocoon, God is breathing new life, a new dimension, a new direction, and an, uh, uh, something that was crawling on its legs that had no power of flight comes out of that grave, if you will, or comes out of that cocoon, flying and, and, and soaring and flapping its wings, and it becomes a beautiful butterfly. And you and I have the opportunity. We may go into our tomb season, our Calvary season. We may go into that wretched and poor. We may go into it without any understanding, or we may live a life of confusion. We may have abuse in our background. We may have sin in our, well, I know we have sin in our background. We may have all kinds of junk that are there that we think, would, that, that, we think that our end is the tomb. But my friend, today the tomb is just the beginning of life. Yes. Before Calvary, yes, it was the end. But after Calvary, it's now a brand new beginning. And when you come through Calvary, when you come through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord, you begin to soar. You get transformed, according to the book of Corinthians, you get transformed into a brand new creature. It makes me wonder sometimes why we spend so much time and energy on things that are temporal and worry about things that are temporal when in all actuality, let's get on the other side of the fulcrum and spend our ideas, 
our energy, our time on the things that are eternal. It gives you a different perspective on this side of Calvary than that side of Calvary. On this side of Calvary, I can face anything because no matter how bad it gets here, I have a promised hope of getting into a place where he already dwells, where he promised that he's going and preparing. Now, most, we, we just did a building project last year at Spirit of Grace Church, and we added about 8,000 square feet or so of building, and it took about seven or eight months to get to where we broke ground to where we had our first service. Seven or eight months. Think. I want you to think about that. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He has been working on a place for over 2,000 years. Now, our building is beautiful, but we did that in about seven months. Can you imagine what we're getting ready to step into after the creator of all things has been spending the last 2,000 or so years creating a home for us? This side of the tomb is exciting. This side of the tomb where it's been emptied out and, and Jesus rules and reigns, that's exciting to think about where we're going and what we have to, what has been offered to us. And all we have to do is reach out and seek him. A man by the name of Dale Evans said it this way, I spent most of my life searching for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Then I finally found it at the foot of the cross. It's Calvary where we find true gold. It's at Calvary, the weekend of Calvary. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. That's where you find your true riches. That's where the fulcrum of eternity shifts. When you're on one side, you're down. When you're on the other side, you're up. It's amazing what happens on the opposite side of the fulcrum of eternity. The third component that I want to share with you today is life itself. Before Calvary, we live a life without purpose. We may think we have purpose. Our purpose at that point may just to get to Friday. TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And I laugh at even that statement because they put God into it and they say, thank God it's Friday, but their purpose is just to get to Friday. And before Calvary and before the tomb and before the cross, we wandered in despair and depression. We were terrorized by the thoughts of our life. There was disease, there was problems, there was abuse, there's all kinds of things. But if you can get through Calvary and get onto the other side, after Calvary, the Bible promises us abundant life, hope everlasting, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. There is something that is transforming. I cannot imagine today living without an empty tomb. I can't imagine living without a risen Savior. I can't imagine living like my life like it was before Calvary. And here's the thing that excites me uh, about Calvary, and that is this. Calvary is still alive today. And Calvary is not a one-time experience. I don't have to go to the hill Golgotha and go find Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. I don't have to go there because day in and day out, Jesus has given me the good news of the gospel. So there are times on this side of the tomb, I, I, I wish I could say that I didn't fall back to the before Calvary perspective after 
when I was 11 years old and, and was baptized with the Holy Ghost and called into the ministry and baptized at the age of just before my 10th birthday and, and all of those things and life has been a piece of cake. There are times in my life where I have allowed my mind and my will and my emotions to get in, uh, stuck on the before Calvary mindset. And then God gently reminds me, whether it be through a song like they sang today or through a message that is preached or seeing a smiling face of a believer. And I've mentioned over and over the different people in my life uh, throughout time that shifted the way that I perceived things. Uh, some of you that are visiting on Facebook will remember uh, people uh, like Dan Wisebrod, my uncle, Gary and Lil Wisebrod, the founders of our church, my father himself, Victoria Booker, and over on and on and on I can go of people that I looked at and recognized. And because I met them and knew them and they spoke into my life, I have a different perception of this side of Calvary. I am joyful in the midst of tribulation. I didn't say I was happy. I said, I'm joyful. Happiness is fleeting, but I don't enjoy going through things. But I'm joyful because every time we're going through something, what we're really doing is God is putting us back through Calvary. He's allowing us to walk one more time through a cross and then go into an empty tomb and so that he can resurrect us once again and our perception perception changes. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind because our mind allows us too often to go back and forth on each side of Calvary. And then the last component that I want to address today is the concept of death. The concept of death. I hate death. Uh, I, I really do. I don't like it. I don't enjoy having to go through it. I've seen too many friends and family members and I'm reading online, even with this virus that are going of the people that are passing from one life into the next. I don't like death. I don't like watching sickness. I don't, I hate it. Okay. But at the same time, I understand from a perception of the scriptures that death is no longer the death before Calvary, but that it is just a transforming of life. And I'll get to that in just a second. Before Calvary, death was the end. It was your final calling card. It was mourning because there is no more hope. Uh, I want you to think about that. After Calvary, after Calvary, death is just the beginning. Now, most of you know I lost my father in 2012 to pancreatic cancer. and uh, But he went out of this natural life in communion with Jesus, speaking in his heavenly language. Listen, he didn't die that day. He went from one life to the next and a greater life he entered than the one that he was living. And while we grieve, and, and I, I think of him almost daily, and I and and my family does, and my mother does, and all of our friends that my dad has impacted throughout his life uh, feel the loss. I just have to tell you that my dad probably doesn't want to come back. He's probably enjoying his new life, and it's a life that we're all going to enjoy someday, whether it come through a natural transformation or the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise. I want to give you a perspective I shared with our church several months ago. But it was a question that I asked oftentimes throughout my life in John chapter 11, when the Bible said that Jesus wept. Jesus wept at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. 
when Lazarus had gone and the people weren't believing what was actually taking place, the Bible says in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. And uh, I, I thought about that for a long time and nobody had ever really given me a good answer. I had not really figured out why Jesus wept. There was all kinds of ideas. Uh, in fact, the people of that day thought, oh man, he's weeping because he loved Lazarus so much. And, and I don't doubt that. I do believe that he loved Lazarus very much. But a couple of months ago, as I was preparing to speak to our church, it, it hit me. The reason why Jesus wept was because he was getting ready to call Lazarus back from the grave. He was giving us a picture of Calvary, of an empty tomb. And the thing is, is Lazarus, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Can you imagine the presence that that Lazarus was in? The, the, he was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in Abraham's bosom is what it's called in the Old Testament. He was in a place of no torment. He was in a place of peace. And because God needed to receive the glory, Jesus was getting ready to call him back from that into the life that he had. Listen, we don't need to lose perspective, perspective of death. death. Death is terrible. But death is just an open door into a greater adventure with God. Both a natural death stepping into the, the real kingdom of God, if you will, to be present with Christ. But there are those spiritual deaths or those mindset deaths, those things that we deny ourselves. And when we allow that to go to death, it, it's not the final thing. When we surrender our all to him, it's not a final thing. It's a brand new thing. And when we surrender ourselves to him, he sets us on a path to experience something that's more great that you'll never want to go back to the way you were before. It's the reason why we call in our church, we call our ministry of recovery, not recovery, but restoration. Our chain breakers ministry is a ministry of restoration because we don't want to just get back to where we were. We want to get to where God really wants us to be. We want to get to the place where he has designed us, where he has called us, and Calvary allows us to do that. When Calvary comes into our lives and we stand at an empty tomb and an empty cross, and we begin to see that Jesus has ascended and that he said that in John chapter 14 that he was going to go away. He was going to leave for a while, but he would not leave us comfortless. He would come to us. And this spake he of the Holy Ghost. He gives us the opportunity through the outpouring of his spirit to have him very present with us. I've got to tell you, I've lived in this my entire life. I was born pretty much and raised pretty much in this. I had grandparents that bugged my parents of getting me to church. I had, uh, I had 1,500 moms, through, whether it be through the district that we had that we were worshiping with or the church people that we were with. And back in those days, they were all just moms. They just, they corrected us. Uh, they took care of us. Uh, they, they, they spoke into our lives. And in all of that, in all of that situation, in all of that growing up, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't because I have seen the other side of Calvary. I don't want to go to that side where there's no hope, where where death is final, where where you can surrender it all and not gain anything and and you just you give up. Here's the bottom line uh, today and that is this. We're all dying in some way. 
once I, I don't know what that age is where we stop growing older and we start getting closer to that. I don't know what that age is. I don't know we we I don't know when growth stops and death starts, but our life has that 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 arc, if you will. That that we grow up a little bit and we get older and we grow and we mature, and then somewhere, some way, there's something that shifts in our bodies, and we instead of growing, we just are growing older. And the aches are growing and the, the pains are growing. And, and so we're all dying to something. I don't want to live on the side where death doesn't mean anything, where my sacrifice doesn't mean anything, where my surrender doesn't mean anything. I want to dwell on this side of the fulcrum of Calvary, where when I sacrifice for God, he steps in and begins to use me in a mighty way. When I die out to myself, the Bible says it this way, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That's the side of Calvary that I want to live in, where he lives through me, where he speaks through me where he ministers through me and to me. It's so awesome when the presence of God overwhelms us and, and, and you get those Holy Ghost goosebumps and, and that desire that, that wells up inside of you. And I even get excited. I'm sitting here preaching to a computer and to an iPhone and I'm getting excited by the thought that God has chosen this generation yes. to love him. God has seen it fit that you and I are dwelling right now we were not designed for the birth of the church. We were not designed, we were not prepared to be the apostles of the biblical days, but he has chosen us to be the epistles of this generation, that which God allows people to see in us. And when, he sees, when they see him in us, then they are drawn to him as well. I want to close today with a story. It's the story of a man by the name of Carl. Carl was a very wealthy man who owned a great estate. Many acres was a part of this estate. And one of his favorite pastimes, now Carl was a little bit arrogant because he was wealthy. And one of his favorite pastimes was riding his horse uh, throughout his valley, going in and out and up and down the different areas of his estate and and it was a huge estate, so he liked to look over everything that he owned, and, and in his mind, he would pat himself on the back and say, congratulations for everything that you have gained and, and all of your wealth. And But one day, as Carl was riding, he came up over a hill, and in the distance, he saw one of his tenant farmers uh, working there. It was an old man by the name of Hans, and it was lunchtime when Carl came up over the hill and as he was getting closer to Hans, uh, he had noticed that Hans had set up a little table under a shade tree and was getting ready to eat. And before he began to eat his lunch, he bowed his head and he began to pray. And Carl heard this man pray and watched him as he prayed, as Hans prayed. And then he looked at Hans' meal. And it was only a slice of coarse bread and a piece of cheese. And with a sneer, Carl said to Hans, if that's all I had to eat, I wouldn't even bother to pray. To which Hans replied gently, he said, it's enough. 
and I'm thankful that God has provided it. Taken aback, Carl was getting ready to turn and go and to leave and head back home. And Hans interrupted him just before he left. And he said, Carl, I want to tell you something. I had a dream last night that the richest man in the valley passed away. And then Hans didn't say anything else. Went back to his cheese and bread and Carl began to ride away. Well, as he was riding away, Carl began to panic. And so he got back to his ranch and he called the doctor and said, doctor, I think I'm gonna die tonight. Somebody had a dream that the richest man in the valley was going to pass away and I've got to have you check me out. And so I've got, I'm coming in right now. So he went in, had the doctor check him. Everything was good. And so almost in a panic and an uneasiness, Carl laid his head down to go to sleep. And the next morning when the sun came up, Carl woke up. And when Carl woke up, he breathed a sigh of relief. He said, oh, Hans, that was just a dream. He must have he, he didn't have, he, I panicked over nothing. So he's getting up and he's getting himself together and he's getting ready to go out on another one of his rides. When one of his servants comes and runs and knocks on the door and enters and looks at Carl and he said, I want to tell you something. Old man Hans passed away last night. And it hit Carl, the richest man in the valley the one with a piece of bread and cheese, the richest man in the valley passed away that night. Carl was struck by the final aspect of it and realized that though he had earthly wealth and earthly riches, he didn't have the other side of the fulcrum of eternity. You see, Hans was the richest man because he had experienced Calvary. Hans was the richest man in the valley, not because he had a bunch of earthly wealth or earthly goods, but because he was holding on to something that would not perish, that would not pass away. He had stepped across the fulcrum of Calvary, and he was dwelling on this side, the risen side of Calvary, and the empty tomb side of Calvary. And my friend, today you have that opportunity to step into a dimension of worship with him to where death is not that big of a deal anymore because it's just another thing to look forward to because we can get to him. And when we get to him, he allows us in this momentary time, when we die out to ourselves, when we sacrifice, when we go through tumult and, and we go through situations that seem to ravage our bodies and fight against us and minister to us, uh, in that moment of time, we recognize that it's just a ter temporary sign of things to come. I'm thankful for the hope that springs eternal, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because he rose from the tomb and left us an empty grave, on this side of Calvary, we have hope eternal. We have hope eternal. I don't know where you're at today in your lives, but if you are searching for something to give you hope, if you feel hopeless today and in despair, that's not what Jesus wants for you. Jesus wants you to come to the other side of Calvary. You can't go around Calvary. You can't go over Calvary. You have to go through Calvary. The way to go through Calvary is through the death, burial, and resurrection 
of the Lord. And the way to do that is through repentance. That's the death. The burial and resurrection of the Lord come through baptism. And there's going to be coming a day where we can get back together and we're going to have a great baptismal service at the church. But start your journey through Calvary right now. If you're out there today in the online world and you're, God has been dealing with you, I want you just to pray this prayer of repentance. Just ask him to forgive you of all that you've done wrong. But not only ask him to forgive you, because the Bible says if you ask him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But ask him to turn your mind around, turn your perspective. True repentance is when you walk one direction and turn and walk the other direction toward Christ. So would you do that with me right now, Jesus? Lord, I don't know who may watch this or see this or hear this. Whether they're on Facebook, on Zoom, whether they listen to the podcast later, wherever they find this, God, if you are dealing with them, I am asking you to help them to find a place of repentance. Lord, I repent of my sins. I repent of my shortcomings. Lord, you promised that if I would bring them to you, you would forgive them. And I trust in that forgiveness. But more importantly, even than that forgiveness, God, give me the strength to draw nigh unto you. Lord, help me to walk away from the wrong thinking and the wrong perspective. Help me walk away from my before Calvary experiences and help me to step into my after Calvary experiences. Help me to see you on the cross Help me to see you in the tomb, but help me also to see you in glory so that you can come into my heart and dwell with me and give me new life. Lord, there are those here today, God, that may, are, may be struggling. I'm asking you, Lord, to let the peace of the Holy Ghost settle into their homes and into their families. Today, God, let this Easter Sunday be a day of resurrection power a transforming power. Help us to step, Lord, on the other side of the fulcrum of eternity and sense your dynamic presence among us throughout this entire day. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. I want to thank you all that are on Facebook today for joining us at Spirit of Grace Church. It's our distinct pleasure and honor to have you. I pray that you would find Jesus this week in a very personal way and let him speak to your hearts like he's never spoken before. We'll be careful to, to be back together should the Lord tarry on Wednesday evening at seven o'clock here on Facebook and on Zoom as well. And uh, go in the grace and the power of our resurrected Savior today. We love you all. God bless you in Jesus' name.